I'm DeWitt Bingham. Welcome to the Justice for All podcast show, where we discuss all things social and criminal justice related, from the front end to the back end, and everything in between. You have a right to remain silent, because anything you say can and will be held against you. You have a right to an attorney. If you cannot afford one, one will be appointed for you. You're in the self-incrimination protection zone, where there is no cruel and unusual punishment. No illegal search and seizure. The exclusionary rule has you covered. So sit back, relax, and become sold on this week's episode. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Justice for All podcast show. I'm DeWitt Bingham, your host. Thank you for tuning in to the show that discusses all things social justice and criminal justice, where the goals are to inform you, the American citizen, of your constitutional rights, to provide educational occupational guidance to high school and college students, and to be a voice for change. We are in the fourth week of classes at Heartland Community College. Students have taken their first exam, and we begin the second unit with criminal law, control versus liberty. So without any further ado, I introduce to some and present to others, Ms. Kayla Sheets, Mr. Ethan Taylor, and Ms. Taylor Bagnell. Okay, welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Hi. Hi. I'm Kayla. Hi, I'm Taylor. All right, the title of today's show is Criminal Law, Control versus Liberty. So let's jump right in. Kaylin, Ethan, and Taylor, segment one. Segment one is for the educational occupational guidance of high school and college students. We accomplish this by allowing our guests to introduce themselves or by having our guests introduce themselves. So if you would, tell the audience where you were born and raised, what high school you attended, your major or planned major, why you enrolled in the class, and give us one career goal, beginning with you, Kaylin. Um, I was born in Mount Vernon, Illinois. I grew up in Decatur, Illinois, though. Um, I attended Douglas MacArthur High School in Decatur. Um, my planned major is pre-law here at Heartland for criminal justice and then go on to do the rest of my law degree. I enrolled in this course because I think it's a good foundation for my prerequisites into a law degree. Um, and one career goal that I have is to just kind of help people be a voice of reason and guidance. When you talk to people about how much they know about law, the most of the time they don't have it all right. And that's obviously why we have attorneys and lawyers. Okay, wonderful. An aspiring attorney that went to school in Decatur, Illinois. All right. Ethan? I was actually um, just born and raised here in a normal, um, went to Normal West just a you know bit down the road from Arlen. I'm not super sure what I want to major in just quite yet. I was thinking perhaps criminal justice, which is a lot of why I took uh, this course in particular. But I'm still trying to figure out what exactly I want to do with my life after I you know, get out of college and all that. I always tell everybody, Ethan, if you take my class and you're undecided, because I was a probation officer for 35 years, that I'm about to talk you into being community corrections officer and <laughs> <laughs> probation and parole. But I'm just kidding. I loved probation. So, OK, Taylor. Uh, I was born and raised in Leroy. So it's a small town outside of Bloomington. I Leroy, Leroy Panthers. Yep. <laughs> and I attended Leroy High School. Uh, my plan major is uh, business marketing and sales. And I enrolled in this class because, well, I just need a lot of extra elective. That's all I have left, really. 
And I took uh, criminal justice through BACC in high school. And I was it was a fun class and I enjoyed it. So I decided, why not? Wonderful. And if you are going to be a business person, you need to know a little or put it this way. It helps to know a little bit about the law, about criminal justice, mm-hmm. just in case somebody tries to, like, cause any damage to your property or try to steal something from your business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Moving on. Constitutional rights. Segment two is to inform the American public of their constitutional rights. Before we ask you to tell us what your favorite constitutional right is, let me remind the audience that today's episode is criminal law, control versus liberty. And when we talk about control versus liberty, we're actually talking about individual rights versus the protection of the public. But once 9-11 or once 9-11 happened, that's where we begin to see a lot of security take place in public buildings and public institutions like the airports, et cetera, et cetera. And so when we talk about individual rights versus protection of the public, it's not always black and white. Thus, discretion comes into play. So when we talk about control, we're talking about, and this was a result of 9-11, warrantless wiretapping. I remember one of the things doing President Bush's administration, he wanted to like wiretap people's phones and people people was just not having it. You hear what I'm saying? And so when we talk about control, that's one of the things that we talk about. We're talking about invasion of privacy by the government, reduction of rights, excessive force, inadmissible evidence, illegally obtained evidence, Discretion should always be applied in an objective manner, not subjective manner. So we're talking about facts, evidence, not a hunch, not how you feel, what you believe, your personal opinion. We're talking about Weeks versus United States, Map versus Ohio. And when we talk about liberty, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about freedom. We're talking about due process, equal protection under the law, evidence, reasonable suspicion, probable cause, preponderance of the evidence beyond a reasonable doubt. Justice, if you will. So having said that, Caitlin, Ethan and Taylor, defining for our audience three of the main categories of the criminal justice system when it comes to individuals being charged and being punished based on those charges. So if you would, Caitlin, would you define felony for us? Um, The legal definition would be in the U.S. law is typically defined as a crime punishable by a term of not less than one year or by the death penalty. Ethan, can you define misdemeanor for us? Uh, Misdemeanor is generally a crime that goes uh, punished with up to jail time being one year or less. All right. And Taylor, can you define ordinance violation for us? Uh, It's a charge given by like a local government. So like your local police, like city or town for a violation of municipal rule. And it's not considered a criminal matter. And there's no criminal record results from ordinance violations. It's just usually like pay a fine or do like a volunteer for your city. Okay, wonderful. Wonderful. Taylor, can either of you in regard to ordinance violation, can you tell me if you were a juvenile what an example of an ordinance violation might be. If you were, I know there's like underage drinking ordinance violations where if you're like drinking in a small town, you, it's not like a drinking ticket, but it's like a violation of your ordinance. You have to like pay a fine. Wonderful. I think the same thing for like truancy or like out past curfew, stuff like that. Excellent. Taylor, 
obviously, it's the felony charge that actually is the most severe charge. And then you have a misdemeanor and then you have ordinance violations. All right. Where might discretion come in when it comes to being charged with either of those or any situation regarding being charged with a felony or the possibility of being charged with a felony, a misdemeanor or an ordinance violation? I think that happens a lot, especially with police officers. I watch a lot of YouTube videos with police, actually, weird enough. So something will happen that will be a misdemeanor and they will tell the person and they'll be like, don't do this. Don't kick me. Don't hit me. Don't don't start doing this because I will arrest you and you'll catch a felony. So in a way, I kind of feel like that's discretion because they're telling them up front like, hey, you have kicked me and I could arrest you and I'm not. Wonderful. Kayla, Ethan, you want to weigh in? Sure. Yeah. Um, discretion. Yeah. Like uh, like Kaylin said, it often comes in when it comes to just civilian interaction with police officers. I think a lot of this relies on uh, contextual instances where it's like, well, maybe if they're like still minors, like you just want to give them a warning as opposed to charging them with something. Or if you're like, you know, we could, you know, call this a felony, we could escalate this. But, you know, if it's like a first offense, especially, we may not make it as severe as we could. Wonderful. Ethan, Taylor, you want to weigh in? Uh, basically, like kind of agree with the same thing. I feel like discretion is really like a lot of people wanting to see like the best in other people. So like by giving them a warning, like uh, Kaylin has said about like not kicking me or you're going to get a felony. Like they're just trying to get like the best result that they can without having to like ruin somebody's life. Excellent, Taylor. Oh, y'all jamming today. Now tell us what is your favorite constitutional right? Beginning with you, Ethan. I'd probably have to go with the Fifth Amendment, specifically just in that protection from self-incrimination, where you can't be forced to testify uh, against yourself in a trial, or you can't be charged with this, or double jeopardy especially, where you can't be charged with or charged for the same offense multiple times after the fact. I think it's really important that you can kind of just keep going at them until you eventually get the conviction that you want. Wonderful. Yes, because, I mean, it's important that you be able to remain silent. and Yeah, exactly. That- if an individual is going to question someone, should they actually volunteer the information or should they actually ask for an attorney? I think in pretty much any given instance um, where you're like being charged with something, you should definitely get a lawyer first and foremost. But if you are like genuinely innocent, for the most part, I feel like in most cases, it wouldn't cause a lot of harm to give information because at that point, nothing, if you're innocent, nothing you say should inherently make you seem guilty. All right. Kayla? I actually agree with him. The fifth is my favorite as well. And that's honestly probably because I want to be a lawyer. That will probably help my clients a lot in the future, not having to self-incriminate. Okay. Very good. And Taylor? (laughs) I actually put down the fifth one too. Oh, we got some Uh, agreement in the house today. I just think so because like, I feel like, especially like in the moment of something happening, like if someone got arrested for something right away, like there's a lot of adrenaline, like there's a lot of background things going on. So I feel like it's easy for somebody to speak on something that they don't really know, like completely what's going on. So it's easy to self-incriminate if you're being forced to talk, like right when something happens or like right when you're arrested, like a lot of thoughts going on. And so I agree with that one because... It's easy to give somebody the cho- like the choice to be quiet and like wait for somebody else to help them talk. So yeah. you just might blurt something now, right, Taylor? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, wonderful. All right, is anyone above the law? Beginning with you, Taylor. I said no. Um, I feel like some people believe themselves as being above the law, like the higher rank you have or something like that. But I feel like genuinely, overall, I don't think anyone's above the law. I think it applies to everybody. 
Okay. Kayla? Um, I want to say that's kind of like a double-edged sword because I believe that there are some people that are, especially, well, not so much anymore with body cams, but back like a few years ago before that was a big thing, absolutely. Like, you know, if a lieutenant got arrested for DUI, most times they'd probably take them home and let them sleep it off without arresting them. So I feel like there is certain scenarios where people have been above the law, but should anyone be? No. Wonderful. Ethan? Yeah, kind of like with what uh, Caitlin said, there are definitely some people um, even today that are, you know, kind of are above the law in the sense that they can just kind of get away with things, especially kind of like you see a lot of billionaires who just kind of ignore a lot of laws because they can just pay fines to kind of ignore it because they can afford that in excess. But no, I absolutely not. I don't think anybody should be above the law. I mean, even the idea of equal protection under the law, on the other hand, on the other side of that, it should be equal persecution under violation of the law. Like it's the rule of the land. No one should you know, be able to just kind of ignore that for sake of something like money or status. Wonderful, Ethan. And that's exactly what the 14th Amendment means, doesn't it? When you say equal protection, that means that you are not above. You are equal to everybody else. Everybody, perfect way of putting it. Have you guys been following the prosecution process of former President Donald Trump? Have you been watching? I have a little. Have you watched the news? Okay. Not and, enough to really speak on it. <laughs> and so yeah, you know that there's an issue regarding immunity. In other words, he's basically saying that he actually should have immunity. He should be actually be able to have committed a crime or been a part of the insurrection of the Capitol and nothing happened to him. I, I noticed that yesterday it took the appellate court, D.C. appellate court some time, but I noticed that they actually made a ruling and it seems to be airtight. It seems to be bulletproof. They, and part of it was they said, we cannot accept his claim that a president has unbounded authority to commit crimes that would neutralize the most fundamental check on executive power, meaning that you can be president and there would be no checks and balances. You would basically be able to govern yourself as you will. You could actually kill your political rival, if you will. There would be no fundamental check on executive power, the recognition of election results. One of the things that I also, along with discretion this semester, as well as last semester, is wanting to make it plain and clear that, yeah, we have discretion, and that discretion is supposed to be used in a very objective manner, but it should not be used in a, in a manner that is negative and that allows an individual to be above the law. Okay, very good. Segment three, being a voice for change. As an emerging adult who grew up in a predominantly white America, what say Kaylin, Taylor, and Ethan about white supremacy and Black Lives Matter? Beginning with you, Kaylin. Um, with white supremacy, I mean, obviously I'd love to say it doesn't exist today in this world, but I'm sure somewhere it does. And some, someone probably thinks that they're better just because of the color of their skin and that they deserve more or they're more entitled, even though it shouldn't exist. And I don't agree with it. You know, it depends on how you're raised, your culture, your background, all of that, unfortunately. And with Black Lives Matter, I do agree absolutely with what the point was behind it. Not necessarily like the looting and the violence that went along with it. I think it could have been handled a lot better, a lot more politically to actually get more of a response that they were looking for. But 
I definitely understand where they're coming from. Okay, very good. Taylor? Uh, I kind of agree with the same. I feel like with the white supremacy side of it, it's a lot of people with like, I don't know, like bigger egos almost. Like they're just trying to prove a point of like some fact that doesn't really exist. And then like with the Black Lives Matter, same thing. Like the whole like idea and the motive behind it was there. But there like was some cases where it like was taken too far. But I mean, that's the same with both sides. I feel like, yeah, the Black Lives Matter has a good like motive behind it and a reason for like what they're doing, what they're doing. Okay. All right. Ethan? I'm of a slightly different opinion in that white supremacy has been rather prominent in the, at least in the U.S. for like since the early ages of the country itself, um, especially with like the transatlantic slave trade between Africa and North America. In recent decades, it hasn't become quite as, uh, as forefront as opposed to things like the Ku Klux Klan, but you still have a lot of these smaller organizations popping up like, like the three percenters and, uh, the proud boys and whatnot. And I do believe Black Lives Matter does have an important message and they, you know, given where they're coming from, they have every right to, you know, to be upset and whatnot. But I don't think that like all the looting and whatnot was caused by Black Lives Matter as an organization. That's just not really what that is. Okay. Very good. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to ask you guys if you ever heard of the Oath Keepers, the Proud Boys, the Three Percenters. They are all white supremacist group. And if you can remember in the news, there was a big thing that was going on. They were saying Jews will not replace us. You shouldn't have any looting or anything like that in regard to Black Lives Matter. But as a black man, and obviously I'm a black man, black lives do matter, though, right? And and it was actually started after a string of African-American men were actually killed. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. All right. Very good. Very good. I ask everybody that comes on the show what you would like to see the Biden administration accomplish. If there was one thing that you could actually advise the Biden administration on and or that you would like to see personally accomplished, what would that be? Beginning with you, Ethan. My thing about the Biden administration is they haven't really done a lot just in a general sense. But uh, if I if I could get them to do one major thing in particular, that would be to get them to like cease their support of uh, of Israel and you know work towards ending the violence that's been going on between Israel and Palestine. Because the U.S. has been the government has been supporting Israel's uh, efforts thus far. And I'd like to see a, a change of size on that, especially. Okay. All right. Very good. Kayla? Um, I said that I would like to see better tax breaks, like especially with the progressive one that a lot of people are feeling this year that they haven't in previous years, um, the seven-year tax plan. Like poor people should not be getting poorer while the rich get more rich. I think obviously if you're rich, you have more accessibility to money to make more money. If you are poor at a poverty level it's a lot harder like they say you have to spend money to make money you can't really spend money to make money if you don't have it to begin with so definitely seeing tax breaks like widen the brackets you shouldn't have to like if you make forty five thousand dollars and you get a raise that would equal to five thousand dollars a year and you don't want to take it because you'd hit that next tax bracket that shouldn't happen because at that rate you're already at the poverty line point well taken taylor uh, I just said better and more accessible healthcare. I feel like healthcare in the United States is not the greatest. I feel like it's very hard for people to achieve that good healthcare. Like even if it's just like you're sick, you're like when COVID was happening and stuff like that. Like it's so much harder for people who don't have good healthcare or don't have access to good healthcare to get treated and like 
I mean, it causes like COVID to spread all over the place, causes other sicknesses, or if like someone's genuinely like actually hurt, it's hard for them to receive good care without having to worry about the millions of medical bills that follow it, like just one appointment or like one surgery or one thing like that. So I feel like that's one thing I would vote for. Okay. Should a convicted felon be allowed to be president of the United States? Beginning with you, Taylor. Um, I said no, but there could be some like stipulations to it because I don't think there's some things where it's like if you were a felon like 10 plus years ago, then it doesn't like show up on certain things. So I feel like it would have to depend on like the time bracket of when it was. Okay, Kayla. No, I don't think I I mean, personally, I don't want anyone to be president that has had a felony in the past. Usually you have a criminal record for a reason, even though people do change. I absolutely believe that. I would not want to see somebody who's committed a felony charge become president. Okay. Ethan? I am kind of on the fence about it. I would say yes with more structure to it in the sense that I think it should largely depend on like what Taylor said about how long ago this like your offenses took place and also what those offensive offenses were. Or like if the statute of limitations had would have run out by then, by the time you become president, I feel like that would pro- most likely be you know good to run um or if it were something like uh like a you know a drug possession like you know 25 years ago or something i feel like that isn't really gonna make you like so awful that you shouldn't be able to run um but if you're something like you know a rapist a murderer a pedophile that kind of thing i think definitely um you should not you know be allowed to run the country what about insurrection that's kind of an interesting uh one for me because on the one hand that is um legally that's considered treason so like you know for the most part you'd say no to that right but then you look at the Constitution itself and, it, you know, even then it's or no, it's either Constitution or Declaration of Independence declares that the people of a nation should have the right to be able to replace that government with a new one should, you know, the government become undesirable to the populace. But then it kind of gets to a point where it's like gets complicated because like legally speaking by the documents that the country was founded on, treason should not be a thing. But still within the country, treason is legally, you know, it's a statute. So it's. Oh, so you say Somebody that commits treason and an insurrection and those that were found guilty. Because I think now it's like over a thousand people that were actually found it's, guilty. It was definitely a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So you saying that they should actually get a chance to become president? I, I guess really what I'm, I get. Well, personally, I would say no. I'm just saying legally speaking, it gets kind of complicated when it comes to things like treason. OK. All right. Marijuana is legal in the state of Illinois. Should it be legalized at the federal level? Uh, I said yes, because I kind of view marijuana like the same level as alcohol almost like it's a stimulant, like it's a depressant, like it's accessible by age. You can't drive while you're on it. Like you can't do certain things. I don't know. I just kind of view it the same as alcohol. So I say yes. Okay, Kayla? I said yes. I think kind of what she said, it is a little bit like alcohol. Obviously, everyone's going to react differently to it, but that's the same with alcohol. I think there does need to be limitations on what you can do and like your sobriety level with it. Um, but I also think it would be good tax money wise to help our states and honestly keep everyone, a lot of, not everyone, a lot of people out of prison and those who are still in jail in prison and have those felony records for like federal, whatever, they need to be like expunged, obviously. And all of that needs to be redone because it's not, weed is not like, you know, heroin or anything like that. It's, it's the same as alcohol in a sense. It's not everybody's cup of tea. Not everybody drinks alcohol. Okay. Ethan? I, I personally agree a lot with what uh, Kaylin said that 
Um, you know, yeah, it should be legalized, but I feel like it should also be much more structured uh, and regulated. It's not like you're just kind of getting it off of whoever happens to have it, but it's you're getting it through like either for medicinal or recreational purposes through like, you know, organized facilities that are regulated and whatnot. And about how, you know, for a long time, you know, weed was very heavily, um, you know, penalized legally uh, and that, you know, cases that were, you know, people who were put in jail and have these sentences over like weed possession and distribution and whatnot should definitely have their cases readdressed. Okay. Finally, free community cop. Do you think community college should be free? Beginning with you, Ethan. Personally, I think all college should be free. I, especially in in the last, you know, 50 years or so, the price of college tuition has skyrocketed exponentially. It is, especially for Ivy League colleges, it is insanely expensive. Um, and I don't think that at any level, uh, a higher education past high school should be somewhat of a class privilege. Wonderful. Kayla? Yeah, I definitely agree. Um um, if you want to go to, you know, secondary school and all of that and, you know, get a, a master's or a bachelor's in something, you know, that maybe later on down the road, once we repair our debts to America and all of that, maybe we can look into that. But for right now, I think leaving straight out of high school and being expected to either get a student loan or just come up with the money yourself. And like with FAFSA, they expect your parents to just have money. I don't agree with. I think community college at the very minimum should be free. All right. Taylor? I also agree. I think we should do kind of like what the state of Tennessee does, where like if you're a resident and you live in that state, then yeah, you should be granted to go to whatever community college. Like we live in Illinois, we should be granted free access to whatever community college we want in the state of Illinois, uh, like just based off your residency. So if you like lived in Missouri, then like you go to Missouri Missouri Community College for free. And because I think Tennessee does that for their, even their four-year universities, that if you live there, you get either like um, cheaper class, like cheaper tuition, or you get to go for your first two years for free. Very good. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Criminal law, control versus liberty, three types of sanctions, important constitutional rights, and how to make America a better place to live. Until next time, keep living your best life. God bless and Godspeed. speed. <laughs>